Welcome to a new episode of the Cigar Snob Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Calvino and Ivan Ocampo. Woo! How about some applause? Do we have any applause in the studio audience? Hey, I like it, I like it. Very nice. We are back, everybody. How you doing, Ivan? Buenos dias, buddy. <laughs> Buenos dias. So, uh, so we got uh, we got a good episode today, I think. Oh, chock full of stuff. Chock full of stuff. All right, so we're gonna get into a bunch of stuff. We'll talk about a, a cigar that we love. We had it. It's been rated very high in our magazine for years. Uh, we've got some domestic disputes ending up in uh, facial lacerations. Ouch. We've got. What happened there, Jaspi? Uh, we've got we've got people resigning because of uh, racial insensitivity, and then we got some more fun stuff like the the stories uh, that are going to show up in the upcoming issue. So anyway, all of that and much much more after this break. Jasper, what do you say? Brothers Billy and Gus Fakie, former owners of the Cigar Inn retail shops in New York City, have put their years of experience serving a broad range of cigar smokers into their new cigar company. Artesano del Tobacco. Their first release, Viva La Vida, is a Nicaraguan puro produced at the A.J. Fernandez factory. Viva La Vida is available in five Vitolas, a 6.5 by 54 Torpedo, a 6 by 54 Toro, a 6 by 60 Gran Toro, a 5 by 54 Robusto, and a limited edition Diademas Finas, which is a beautifully made perfecto that's 6.5 by 52. Prices range from $10.50 for the Robusto up to $14.50 for the limited edition Diademas Finas. The cigars are not only made by A.J. Fernandez, but also distributed by him as well. Viva La Vida cigars are only available at brick-and-mortar cigar shops. So ask your local dealer for Viva La Vida or look them up at artesanodeltobacco.net. You can also connect with them via their Facebook and Instagram at Artesano Del Tobacco. All right, well, so thank you again, as usual, to the guys at Viva La Vida uh, for sponsoring the show. We really appreciate it, guys. Uh, if you haven't done so already after the last episode, go out and get yourself a Viva La Vida. They are, they are worth, uh, worth you trying. Viva La Vida. Viva La Vida. Well, you know what? In one episode, we'll get into the backstory of Viva La Vida as a song but we probably would bore too many people, so never mind. All <laughs> right, so Jasper, uh, what do you got? What's, uh, what's the next thing we're going to do? What are we smoking today? A little, little, quick, little quick with the trigger, though, Jasper. But yes, uh, so what are we smoking today? We are smoking the My Father, the Judge. We are smoking it in the uh, 5x60, which is a size they call the Grand Robusto, uh, or Robusto. Yep. Uh, that is a Nicaraguan cigar made at, uh, at My Father's Cigars in Esteli, Nicaragua. It's got an Ecuadorian wrapper and Nicaraguan binder and filler. Price point is around $12.40. I always say around because even though that may be the MSRP or whatnot, people's prices are different in the in the different towns that they're in, sure, and different course. taxes and stuff like that. Yeah. So, uh, so tw- around around 12 bucks and 40 cents. Now, we have been smoking it for... Maybe five minutes uh, before the show. What do you think, Ivan? Well, when this cigar first came out, I thought, and this is not, this is 
this is not a backhanded compliment or anything, but I thought it was a very underrated cigar because I absolutely loved it, and I didn't think it was getting enough publicity you at the did. time. You did right out of the gate because uh, they and, and thanks to them, they sent us a box years ago. By the way, these are these have been in our humidor probably for about three years. Cool, can't wait to get into it. But yeah, it's um, I always thought it was an excellent cigar. The size is it's very unique. You know, I don't know what it is about. I mean, it's obviously a bigger ring gauge, and it's box pressed, and it's it's not that. You thank you. Know. I failed to mention that it is box pressed. Right. So it is sixty ring gauge, but box pressed it doesn't feel like sixty. Sure. Uh, but it does have the amount of tobacco in it that a sixty would have. Exactly. So you have a Pepin Garcia product, which um, I don't know for the most part. So they've always been very uh, I don't know full body. Um, has a lot of flavor to it. And then with this bigger ring gauge, it kind of like, it makes everything a little bit more subtle because there's so much more tobacco. Agreed. In and, and I think that bears mentioning that. I'm glad that you said that. And I think a lot of novice smokers don't really know uh, or get that part too much. But when you have a big ring gauge cigar, you're kind of knocking down the strength level and intensity of the cigar a little bit because there's so much more filler tobacco uh, that has to be put in there that it's, for lack of a better term, dilutes the stronger filler tobaccos that are in there. Right. Dilutes, probably not a good no, word. No, of but course not, abs- right, 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 right. and these right. aren't, but... Because it adds in a lot of... Maybe because it has more uh, filler, it adds more complexity to it. Well, it also makes the smoke cooler. Correct. So you're not having <clears throat> that that hot intense smoke coming through like what you would have uh, in a Lancero or a Corona. So this exact cigar, if they made it in a Lancero, would feel a lot stronger than this does. With the same, let's say, with the same percentages of Ligero, uh, it would feel a lot stronger in a smaller ring gauge. Uh, and by the way, that's part of the difficulty of, of blending cigars in different sizes, right? Is that you want to try and keep the as a blender they're trying to keep the the integrity of that blend like this is the characteristic of this blend now how does that work when i go from a 5 by 60 to let's say a 7 by 38 which sure. would be a lancero sure and that's that's debatable that on on technique right some people yeah. do it by by the amount of leaves and some people like to do it by percentages so it's not an exact Science, I mean... It's not an exact science. And all schools of thought are kind of thrown out the window when you go from that kind of range, from 5 by 60 to 7 by 38, right? Because 7 by 38, you don't have enough thickness to include multiple leaves. So it it does get really difficult, and that's why uh, cigars made by, you know, masters like Don Pepin Garcia, that's why people seek them out, especially in those specialty sizes, because they are... They're so good. They're so good at at transferring uh, the, like I said, the characteristic or integrity of a blend from a big ring gauge down to a small, and vice versa. So, so anyway, that that's a topic for another day. But uh, but what do you think in terms of flavors? What kind of flavors are you getting with the cigar? You gotta give me a minute, buddy. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just lit it right now, but. So so I think it has like a. Like, a, again, uh, a roasted almondy, a roasted nut kind yep. of characteristic to it. There is some pepper, but it's like a deep pepper. It's not a sharp, sharp in-your-face type yeah. of pepper. There's a touch of earth. I think there's also a good bit of chocolate, but more in the not like milk chocolate or dark chocolate. To me, it's more like a cocoa powder 
type of chocolate. Um, that's kind of like the, and we are, at least me, I'm about an eighth, uh, almost a quarter of an inch in. Yeah, but I agree with all that, so. All right, well. All right. We have a full agreement on this. So the people who don't have full agreement is Marcelo Zuna and his wife, Genesis. Such a disagreement that at some point in an argument, Genesis flung a soap dish at Marcelo Zuna, which, by the way, if you don't know, is a uh, outfielder for the Atlanta Braves. And so she lacerated his face with the soap dish. And so, what, what do you you have any you have any sort of experience in this uh, domestic uh, dispute? No, I've always had a very peaceful home, harmonious, harmonious home. home. <laughs> but uh, uh, sure, any major leaguer. Uh, who's a victim of domestic abuse is quite interesting. Yes. Right? Well, uh, w- and there's also a connection, right? Marcelo Zuna used to play with the Florida Marlins or the Miami Marlins. You didn't care about that? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the report, uh, it was first reported by Andy Slater of Fox Sports 640 in Miami, which which made me think I've never heard – uh, Fox Sports 640. Is that like the old win, like wins station? 640 was a wins. You're right. Yeah, because I, I never, I've never heard Fox Sports 640. But thank you, Andy Slater, for reporting this. And it turns out that it was a two week investigation before they charged her. So normally, in a domestic dispute, you have an argument between a couple, and then something happens, and someone gets arrested. Right on the spot. Correct. So in this case, it seems like something happened. Marcelo Zuna called the cops. An investigation ensued. But still, there's two weeks here. At some point, there's some cool down, right? And then you go, all right, all right, all right, all right. Never mind. I'm not going to press charges on my wife for cutting my face. So I'm doing a little research as you speak here. And Marcelo Zuna is 6'1", 220. Yeah, yeah, he's a strong... So yeah, not a, a big, slight fellow. No, not at all. He's not He's not Christian Yelich. And I'm looking at a picture of Genesis here. She looks every bit of 6'1", 220. <laughs> she does. <laughs> she does. So she's that a, soap dish must have hurt. Yeah, yeah. It looks like she's got a cannon for an arm. Yeah. So the part that I thought was funny was, how does the investigation go? Like, what does that two-week investigation look like? Are they fingerprinting the soap dish? Uh, what are they doing? Are they like retracing wet footsteps from a bathroom where the soap dish was, or is it a soap dish from the kitchen? It's, I think that's a funny investigation. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very uh, difficult to try to figure out on CSI. Are the cops laughing while this is happening? Like as they're investigating this, or do they have to have a straight face here? I don't know. I'd be cracking up. So she's got to be. Jasper, got no, you got nothing on this, Jasper? Negatory, good buddy. That's that's thanks, Jasper. <laughs> Jasper, you need a cafecito. <laughs> Do you need a cafecito, Jasper? <laughs> oh boy. Uh, all right. So, yeah, there's no segue here. There's no segue. But uh, I did read uh, this morning that Bon Appetit, uh, the magazine, the food magazine, which I actually subscribe to mm-hmm. here at the office. Uh, bon Appetit's editor, uh, Adam Rappaport, resigned after racially insensitive photos surfaced. What did he do? So apparently someone, apparently, 
someone uh i don't know if they're on the, on the staff or what but they it wasn't even his post but they posted a picture of adam rapaport uh dressed what looks like for halloween as a puerto rican hmm but but the did i don't know if you, you didn't see this no so he painted himself a, a goatee okay like a very thin goatee like a very manicured goatee uh-huh uh and and he put on a, a yankees jersey but kind of opened it and then had a hat like kind of a cheesy hat but how is like that, a cap how is that puerto rican i know that's the part so that's exactly the situation so how do we know that he was dressed as a puerto rican one uh boy that this just seems like an odd accusation yeah right i know, i know that we're in this like crazy cancel culture right now where everything is hypersensitive and and everyone gets upset about everything but what well, i mean it, that doesn't even fly in the cigar business right like the cigar business we have we have every every ethnic group in the cigar business right like it's very you can't i mean there's no insulting I mean, our magazine alone, you can walk in here and call us a bunch of spicks. We're like, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, we are. We're all Cuban. You I, know? I have a confession to make. What do you got? Did you, did you, you have a post? You have a, an old Halloween picture? Yes, yes. What you got? But it was pre-digital uh, photos. My mm. mom dressed me up like a little Indian once. Oh, dude, you and, are, and I had you a, cannot walk, you can't walk into a. I did. A casino here in Florida. I did. And my girlfriend sec- dressed up like a sexy Indian once and wanted me to dress up with her. Man, Is what? Is that bad? Oh, I don't even know what to say, buddy. Because <laughs> normally I would have said no. What do you think about that, Jasper? Andalay, amigo. All right. So uh, so we were talking about about the Test Kitchen, the, the Bon Appetit magazine. And I happen to be a fan of all their Test Kitchen videos i love those as a matter of fact if you follow cigar snob mag on on social media i posted a picture of some bagels that i made and i thanked uh claire saffitz for the recipe on bagels and i got it from the videos so i am a fan of their content and they do a great job how are the bagels amazing really you ate when you jerk what are you talking about i brought one here to the office you brought me you brought me a quarter of one no, I brought multiples, but they were divided up into. All ah, right, never mind. Uh, so, <laughs> so, uh, so I'm a fan of their content, and I have, uh, I have seen that they've gotten some like internal strife uh, amongst the uh, the management and the uh, the staff at the test kitchen. So this felt like this whole uh, this whole Adam Rappaport thing. It feels like a hit job to me. It feels like some. Because it wasn't like they found that picture in his old social media uh, history or anything, his feed. Somebody posted that. So that's like some company party someone had, or who knows, or some Halloween party. They took a picture of this cat dressed up as, I guess, what they say looks like a Puerto Rican, although to me it just seems like a New Yorker. Right. Uh, But, and then someone decided to post it. Again, it feels like a hit job. Sure. Who knows if this guy's a jerk? I have no idea. I don't know. Uh, but something that that smells to me like a like a hit job. Yeah, this guy had no Halloween costume to go to this party. He goes, "What can I throw on?" Yeah, I've I got, got this old Yankee jersey, and I'll buy a, a cheap cap from a street vendor. Yeah, and there I go, honey. Put some eyeliner and make it look like a goatee. That's it. And now he's resigned from the 
he's one of the top, if not the senior editor or chief editor, or uh, but a, a high-ranking editorial position at Bon Appetit magazine. Bon voyage. Bye, Felicia. What about let's let's go back to back to the cigar. So now we've been smoking it for a little bit. I don't know how long we've been at this, but um, it's it's developing. So to me, this cigar, as I mentioned earlier, have been in the humidor probably about three years, maybe even more, judging by the color of the cellophane. Uh, it was very dark. Uh, I think the cigar has lost a lot of, like in the beginning, it had that that nice little flavor intensity. But now it's just, you know, it's now it's very tame. Yes. Uh, and if and if you're a guy who likes the the in, the intensity of a cigar, you're better off picking one of these up newer because it's a lot more intense and creamier and nuttier. And 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 again, more of that cocoa comes out when you buy it at the store. Right. I, re- I remember this being like more of a like medium plus strength cigar. And now it's it's just about medium. I agree with that. I think I think you're spot on with that. So, uh, nonetheless, a fantastic cigar. Uh, either way, you know, we we have a tendency here at cigars not to nitpick a bit about cigars because we smoke them uh, multiple cigars a day, and we're constantly on. We're not like we're not smoking just to smoke. Right? We're always thinking about the smoke. Like I even I can't even smoke a cigar at home without like really thinking about it. Uh, it's just kind of a a byproduct of this job, right? So, speaking of the job, what we do is produce a magazine. Yes, uh, sir. Aside from doing these goofy podcasts and mail time videos. Uh, so, in the next issue, we're calling it the Corona issue, right? It's been a challenging issue to put out, to be honest. Sure has. Uh, the pandemic has made it a little bit difficult to get certain things done, Uh but finally, as things open up, it is starting to roll downhill a little bit now. So uh, we're calling it the Corona issue. We've got a story in there about. You want to take? You want to like talk a little bit about what we have going on in that story, in that uh, issue? Sure. So again, Corona issue, not necessarily all about the coronavirus, but we also have stuff about you know the size of the Corona cigar, uh, how the coronavirus has affected uh, the cigar industry, and what the cigar industry is doing. Uh, to give back uh, to our communities, uh, some faux pas uh, that that we should try to avoid. Uh, yeah, so that, that's a good point. So the faux pas was an old story that we did. Not a story. It's like a pictorial, uh, a funny, uh, a funny piece about cigar smoking faux pas. So this was back in uh, I think 2012 was the last time we did it, and and what we did was. We came up with funny names for faux pas that people do when smoking cigars or when walking into a cigar shop. So the cello smeller, like the guy who walks into the humidor and smells the cellophane on a cigar and then goes, wow, smells amazing. Right. You're smoking. You're smelling cellophane, chief. That doesn't smell amazing. Uh, and, And those kinds of things. Well, we updated that. And so now we've got cigar smoking faux pas COVID edition. And so... Give us a couple, just a, just give us a little teaser of a couple of these faux pas that you don't, things you don't want to do in a cigar store during this current pandemic sort of climate. I think some people have a tendency to walk into a humidor when they go to their local retailers and start picking, and I, I've witnessed it, but I know that a lot of, uh, 
owners of shops complain about this. A lot of people pick up cigars and start squeezing cigars. Yep. I don't know what what you're going to be able to get out of squeezing. Yeah, they think they're squeezing like a tangerine or something. Right. So, I mean, that that's something that's always been poo-pooed upon, and now you should definitely not be doing it Correct. because of this coronavirus, right? Um, another one which is a very unique to my situation is is a cigar dipper. <laughs> that, that one we we did put in there because of you. I know. I'd like to talk about this one because, okay, again, okay. it was a very yeah. specific situation where we were once in our office having a meeting. We were drinking rum in little snifters. In said meeting. Right. Everybody's smoking cigars, and somebody decided to walk up to me and say, hey, the cigar is great. It'd probably be better if I dipped the end of my cigar in your rum, and he went ahead without my permission and dipped his cigar, his nod, uh, slobbered cigar into my <laughs> rum. Yeah. That's gross. I'm shook. <laughs> yeah, you should be shook, Jasper. Uh, it was it was gross. I remember, I remember looking, looking because we were sitting kind of across from each other, and I remember that guy doing that, and I must have had a face of what are you doing? Yeah, that there is like uh, radioactive juice inside of that rum glass and i remember you put the glass down and just like moved it forward across the table away from you and we're like i'm done with it right so don't do that now don't do that ever 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 (laughs) i think that one is an all-time don't do that crap man uh so so yeah that that's some of the stuff that we'll have uh in this upcoming issue i think it's gonna be fun there's gonna be uh also a five to try belgian belgian beers yeah i love belgian beer yeah, extra so, extra buzz for you, buddy. Man, uh, yeah. So I'm working on that piece, and it's uh, I've had a nice couple of days. Cool. Uh, I haven't shared it with anyone, which is probably why my day's been so nice. So, so then, oh, but there's also I do want to talk about this. Uh, there is a, a a series of stories inside this upcoming issue, which is kind of like the backstory behind some of our most famous photo shoots, and we the, called it backstory. Right. So can you can you pick out one of these again I don't want to give stuff away from the issue but I do want to tease it a little bit because I think that that piece is going to be really funny uh and entertaining can you give us one one of like your favorite backstories from photo shoots Sure so again we've we've done many photo shoots where some we've we've traveled out of the country some we've shot here there's always every one of them has had its own idiosyncrasies where it's made it kind of interesting. Uh, one that stands out and it will be in the issue is when we went to Cabo San Lucas in Mexico and shot uh, an editorial. I believe with it was with Fuentes. It was cigars. Fuente, yeah. It was yeah. one of one of it was two cigars. Uh, it was an Opus X and the Don Carlos, uh, the old man's reserve or something like that they called it. Right. Uh, and so those were the two cigars in the shoot, and we had two models. Two models. And so, yeah, so give us the give us that story. Yeah, so again, every every shoot has its own interesting uh, twist to it, and of course, it's a very uh, complex, productions are very complex. Yeah, a lot uh, of moving parts. With a lot of moving parts. Everything has to be synchronized. They all have to, everything has to go through for everything to work out in the end. If one thing goes wrong, it all falls apart like a house of cards. So uh, we go to Cabo San Lucas uh, just to get there. It was 
it was a mission uh, going to the Mexican embassy, trying to get uh, our equipment into the country. Yep. They are they are notorious for being a pain about you bringing in equipment, just like Nicaragua is a pain too. Right. So just getting the equipment in was an issue and we had to do a bunch of paperwork and we were actually just trying to get paperwork in just to be able to get it because it was so last minute. So we finally get into the country. We Our, our main goal at this shoot, obviously, is to get the best uh, quality possible. But we wanted to go, our money shot going into it was going to the Land's End yep. Arch which is the famous iconic arch it's, at the it's end. It's the thing that it's everyone It's the one where you right, ever see Cabo San Lucas. You see this arch, and we're like, wow, we got to go shoot there. So we get to Cabo, and we're like, let's go to the lens. Let's check this thing out. And when we decide to get on a little boat, we like tell, we tell one of these local boat guys, hey, we, well, need, to, we need to get out there. So we scout it out. In fairness, in fa this part you don't have because I, I, I went a day before. That's right. So I started to figure out how are we going to get to these different places. And so I got a local fisherman to take me out to Land's End uh, because we didn't want to be on a, on a touristy boat full of, uh, full of tourists with all, you know, everybody getting off. And we're there with this whole photo shoot crew. So, so I got this, this boat captain to take me around to, to scout locations. So that same guy is the guy who took us out. Uh, the following day when you guys got there. Right. So I remember when we met up, you were like, hey, I went and checked out our, our arch, but there's a bit of a problem. Mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. like, what, what's the problem? <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't, there wasn't like a little like dock or pier that we can just pull the boat up and like everybody can just walk off like on a little ramp and, and unload all of our equipment and stuff and everything would be hunky-dory. No, senor. No, senor. No, senor is right. There is, there is no little dock. If you've ever seen that and seen people on that beach, it is not anything that is like just run of the mill. Hey, you get off and you walk across this dock and you're on the thing. No. Not at all. Number one, you have to jump out into the water, uh, maybe three, four feet of water. and Yeah, they, 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 they ram the boat into the sand. Oh, you, it can't park right. They Correct. run up. Because, of yeah, it's like a preserve or something. So they can't dock and they can't anchor. And then the wave situation there is, yeah. is like if you were in Oahu. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the guy, run, the guy will ram the boat up against the sand and then he'll floor it and tell you, okay, get off, get off. And then when the wave's coming too hard, he's looking back the whole time. When the wave's coming, that it's going to pull him out, he says, okay, stop. And then you backs back away. And then he, once the wave goes with him again, he rams it back onto the beach. So just picture a crew of about eight or nine people trying to get onto this beach full of equipment. Tons. Tons of equipment, important stuff. I mean, we're there to get these. Not waterproof stuff. No. So we we unload in in swells, right? We are coming in in waves, so we try yeah. to we run yeah, it up the guy, and the guy take would go, it off. "Okay, go." And then you're like throwing equipment and it was it was a it was a disaster. It was crazy. It was a it was mo a moment of madness. So we put all the luggage onto the beach and run back to the boat to get it on each ensuing uh, run up of the boat and on one of the passes, we all look and all of our equipment is floating in the Sea of Cortez. Yep. Because one of the waves went up onto the beach and dragged all the equipment. Very, very uh, delicate electrical equipment, photography it equipment, crazy. It was expensive crazy. equipment. Yeah. So what we were, we had the there was a guy on the on 
on the beach who was helping us run the stuff up. So he would grab the equipment bag and then run it up to the shore and then place it down where he thought was too far away from the waves, but he thought wrong. Yeah. And so as he's running back and forth and we're running back and forth and we're doing all this, suddenly our photographer realizes, holy shit, there's two two of our bags. The camera is surfing. The camera is surfing in the Sea of Cortez. I've never seen that guy move so fast. Oh, my God. He, understandably so, he flipped out. He's like, my camera! And he dives in. He goes after the bags. It was a sight to see. Uh, I mean, we were there to take pictures, and if the camera soaked, we were dead. Uh, no, yeah, completely we're screwed. Like, completely there is no, screwed. you know, there is no, like, emergency... Uh, Pittman photo there no, at Cabo San Lucas. So there's more of the story, and I think you should check it out on the issue. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in the end, the the shoot came out great. There Amazing. was other stuff too, right? The the, uh, the uh, one of the models missing her flight and craziness. So yeah. there's more of that uh, in in the issue, and uh, so check that out. What was that your favorite like beach uh, photo shoot? Do you have one? The ones, uh, beach photo shoots that come to mind, I love their Nicaragua one because we had that whole private resort Very to ourselves. True at, at Mukul. Yeah. Yeah, and we had, uh, you know, the guys from uh, Hoya de Nicaragua there, and we had uh, Flor de Caña. Uh, it, it was an amazing resort, and then it had that, it had that one beach that was like a surfer's beach, which had all those massive waves, but then they took us to that other little beach, which was a much more quiet serene beach no tourist anywhere to be found it was like it was perfect it was just to ourselves and then remember we we paid the guy to run back to the hotel and bring us a bunch of like croissants and baguettes because yeah. they had they had like this amazing french baker in the hotel and so we're like can you send a bunch of those things out here yeah. with some coffees and it was awesome i love that shoot yeah i think that's my favorite too it was also challenging in its own way but uh, but I think that was my favorite also. So uh, so next up, we'll give you one one more one final update on the cigar where it's at. Uh, but before we do, let's uh, let's hear one more time uh, one more time from Jasper. Take it away, Jasper. Brothers Billy and Gus Fakie, former owners of the Cigar Inn retail shops in New York City, have put their years of experience serving a broad range of cigar smokers into their new cigar company, Artesano del Tobacco. Their first release, Viva La Vida, is a Nicaraguan puro produced at the A.J. Fernandez factory. Viva La Vida is available in five Vitolas, a 6.5 by 54 Torpedo, a 6 by 54 Toro, a 6 by 60 Gran Toro, a 5 by 54 Robusto, and a limited edition Diademas Finas, which is a beautifully made perfecto that's 6.5 by 52. Prices range from $10.50 for the Robusto up to $14.50 for the limited edition Diademas Finas. The cigars are not only made by A.J. Fernandez, but also distributed by him as well. Viva La Vida cigars are only available at brick-and-mortar cigar shops, so ask your local dealer for Viva La Vida, or look them up at artesanodeltobacco.net. You can also connect with them via their Facebook and Instagram, at Artesano Del Tobacco. All right, so one last update on the My Father... Uh, the judge in Gran Toro. So we've smoked smoked a good bit of it now. Uh, I thought I thought that the cigar performed extremely well. I prefer it uh, newer, 
which I guess bodes well for, for you, the listener, because you can't go out and buy a three or four year old uh, My Father the Judge. So uh, Probably aged a little less. I, I agree, man. I think that I probably overaged this thing. I think, and there is such a thing. You can, you can go too far uh, in aging a cigar. So, uh, However, having said that, it's still a fantastic cigar. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, I, you know, sometimes we get caught nitpicking uh, a bit. We start looking for the exact uh, balance of things. But I think it is a very flavorful. Uh, I would say with this kind of age on it, it's about a medium strength. Uh, with, a, with a good smoke output, good, construction was on point from beginning to end. Yeah. I, it's one of these cigars that I think I can smoke multiple cigars in one night. It's one of those events that you're either at a party or, or maybe a cigar function and you're smoking a few. Like, I would have no problem smoking two of these cigars in a night. Yeah. It's not very overpowering Agreed. or overbearing. Agreed. It doesn't, like, uh, it doesn't tire you out. I mean, here we have been smoking uh, for this entire time, and I'm I'm ready to keep going. I, like, I haven't picked up another one. Yeah. And I would have, like, I would be fine with smoking another one of this same one. It's done very good in the ratings with us, hasn't it? It did. It did. This cigar got a 92. I'm sorry. I should have brought that up earlier, man. Sorry. Uh, it, the cigar got a 92 in this exact size uh, back in 2017. And when we went back and retasted it for the top 25, it came in at number 10. So in the top 25 cigars of 2017, the My Father, the Judge, came in at 10. Uh, so, yeah, uh, obviously... Uh, for it to get to that point, it, it, it has to. We have to love it. So clearly, we loved it. If we had clapping at the beginning, we should have clapping here, right? Aha! Ah, good call. We, we're a little slow on the uh, on the soundboard situation. Uh, not that Jasper is a soundboard. Jasper is a guy, but on the clapping soundboard, we're not. Uh, yeah, we're not up to date. Uh, we're not up to speed, I should say. All right, but uh, listen. Thank you again, guys, for listening. Uh, we love that you that you guys tune in with all of our goofiness. Uh, give us some feedback. Let us know what what do you have you smoked a cigar? Do you like it? Uh, if not, go out and get yourself one and smoke it. You know these things are not. Uh, whenever we smoke this, we're smoking it because we feel like it. Yep. It's not it's not like uh, Pepin called and said, "Hey, can you guys smoke the judge? Smoke a judge, please." <laughs> yeah, no, there was none of that. You know, you're being racially insensitive. Right? Sorry, Pepin. He's my boy. <laughs> He's my boy. I, have you seen the shirts that say? Uh, he is my father. I love that. No. Yeah. Pepin is my father. I love that. I lo- <laughs> I, I've, I've seen Johnny, uh, Johnny Garcia wearing it. Uh, and Jaime, Pepin is my father. I love that. Uh, my father is my father. So uh, at any rate, thank you again. And uh, any feedback, Jasper will tell you what to do. But uh, otherwise, see you guys later. See ya. You've been listening to the Cigar Snob Podcast. Tune in next time for more nonsense and chicanery. But in the meantime, you can find previous episodes of the podcast on cigarsnob.com slash podcast. Follow us at Cigar Snob Mag on all the social media platforms and be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast on Apple Podcast. Until next time, hasta luego.